0: listen to Fallen Jackfruit with me, Josh Reed. a podcast series where I sit down and chat with the creative community here in Ho Chi Minh City. I'm joined this week by Tricia Nguyen. Tricia is the founder of the Winter Zurich Project, a Saigon community project that helps raise awareness for mental health through contemporary arts. Through the Winter Zurich Project, the participants are able to showcase their art as they process their experiences and emotions. In today's episode, we discuss Trisha's own personal journey, the founding of the Winter Surrey Project, past and upcoming exhibitions and events, and much more. So sit back and relax, get comfy, and enjoy the episode. We've got a weird mutual connection thing. We both went to the same uni,
1: which is weird,
0: um, because we didn't know each other before, what, a week ago. First time meeting in person now. So, yeah, you also went to Huddersfield for a little bit.
1: Wonderful place.
0: (laughs) Said very sarcastically. (laughs) So, how did that come about? How did you end up in Huddersfield?
1: Huddersfield, that's because... You're
0: from the UK originally?
1: No, I'm from here. I'm from Saigon originally. Mm. And then I went to a boarding school in England when I was nine years old uh, in Fleetwood, yeah. If you know where that is, it's where Fisherman's comes from. Fisherman's <laughs> Friends, the Lozings. Yes,
0: the uh the Mints, yeah. Yeah,
1: they're the they're from f- Fleetwood. Uh I think my parents wanted me to study ballet, but the the School of American Ballet didn't accept like young kids that did not speak any English. Right. So they dis- they opted for a boarding school in England. Mm. I think the uh- only time I think that was the only school that accepted uh, young kids that didn't have any English um, background right. or knowledge. So
0: how old were you when you moved over to the UK? Nine. Oh, so young. Yeah. Was boarding that um, school. <laughs> was that with uh, so it's boarding school? Did you did your parents stay here?
1: Yeah, they, they stayed back in Vietnam oh, cool. when they left
0: from Saigon.
1: Yeah. Oh, they they're originally from the north.
0: Yeah. yeah. So uh, how long have you been back in Saigon now?
1: Since 2011. Okay. Yeah, cool. around 2011, 2010. End of 2010, I think. Mm. Or beginning of 2011, I'm not so sure. Um, yeah, I didn't finish university. Um, there were some visa problems and my mom, my mum's health wasn't doing great, so I left Okay. and came back here.
0: Uh, how was that whole experience, I can imagine? It's-
1: Coming back here, culture shock. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit, I think, because... I don't know. There was just, everything is so different here and I haven't, I do come home every summer. Uh, occasionally, like every two years I'll come back as well. It depends on, like if I had a part-time job in England, uh, doing random things like waitressing, which I'm not very good at. <laughs> I wasn't that good at it either. I was terrible. <laughs> it was like, oh. And then I came back here and I did a few different jobs in fashion because I studied fashion and textile design.
0: That's quite big at Huddersfield, right? It's quite a popular course, yeah.
1: Yeah. I did, uh, yeah, three years, three, four years in in fashion, doing like buying and uh, visual merchandising. Mm. So just like displaying of the store, the windows and all of that. I get to travel, which is nice. I get to go to Paris, Milan, Florence to see all the shows and the showrooms as well, Mm -hmm. which is really nice. Then it's not for me.
0: Yeah? So no. what, what, what what turned you <laughs> off in the end?
1: I think it's just like the whole thing about kind of like you have to look a certain way and you have to act a certain way and I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I want to be myself and I don't feel like I should be a certain way just for the others to kind of accept
0: it. In fashion, were you more on the side of modelling or were you more on the side of the designing?
1: Like uh, no, designing. Yeah. <laughs> not modeling for <to> me. No. <laughs> I did some modeling, very, very small modeling gigs here, but uh, they're just for fun.
0: Yeah. Just so when did the fashion thing kind of wrap up? When did you decide that that wasn't for you anymore? Uh, you when really
1: I just mean? got bored of it. I don't think I, it, it didn't bring me any joy. So I just like, no, this is not for me anymore. So I'll just I'll just stop. Mm. And I think that is a good thing to have to just knowing When to stop when you're not happy. Yeah. Find find the things that you love and and do the things that you love. So I uh, went back to my very, very first love, ballet. Nice. So I went back to the Dance Academy.
0: And where is that?
1: Uh, It's in District 3. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Dance Academy there.
0: Amazing. And then how long were you there for?
1: Uh, Technically two years. And then I did an extra two years afterwards. So four years in total. And then, so I did like um, ballet, character dancing and folk dancing. Mm. And then after that, I was an apprentice at the opera house.
0: Oh, that's quite a varied, uh, yeah, yeah, varied background.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's always been my dream. So Mm. I thought, you know, do what you can and see where you get.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So you did ballet, folk dance.
1: Uh, There's three different types of dancing that you have to study. Yeah. So you have ballet and you have folk like Vietnamese folk. Vietnamese folk dance. And oh. then character dancing, which is European folk.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. What was your favorite? Ballet. Ballet. Yeah. Ballet all the way through. The original love.
1: Yes. The classic, sort of the basic foundation for all dancers. Yeah. And it gives, it's, because it's so structured, it gives me like kind of, uh, because I tend to overthink quite often and it, it helps me to refocus because you have to think about your body and you have to think about the music and I don't think it gives you time to think about anything else.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's almost parallel with a sport, really. You know, mm. It's so physically taxing.
1: I think it's a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it can I mean, be a pretty... little bit more. It depends on what you do and which sport you play. Um, but yeah, and then I injured myself, so...
0: Oh, okay. What was that, like A ankle injury or something?
1: No, I dislocated my knee. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, a few times. Wow. <laughs> I think yeah. I think that was a stopping point for me because I keep dislocating things.
0: Yeah, that's and I was, never I was good.
1: quite old to start ballet again right. anyway. So, and my I think my joint was just like, nope. <laughs> but
0: you'd got to you got to live out some of that f- yeah. first passion again. Yeah, which is
1: to be on the stage and to be dancing a ballet.
0: Yeah, and that, and some of those shows were at the opera house yeah.
1: here. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, in 2016 we did Balanchine, which is really nice. um... You know, even though uh, being in the core of the ballet is also an honour to be just amongst those people mm. and to be dancing on this massive stage and theatre and they are like, my dreams come true.
0: Amazing. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So then after the ballet, what was next?
1: After ballet was Winter Syrig. Yeah. Yeah, I think because um, a lot of things has happened during those times when I was doing ballet and it, it does help me. And I thought that it, it kind of gave me the the idea the to to birth Winter Sireg, in a sense because I went through a lot of things like, um, you know, my mom passing away, and then uh, a dog got kitten, like dog napped. That's oh, you know okay. it's, it's, it's a bit sad. It's not that sad, but it is kind of sad. Uh, and then there was a, um, a sexual assault that happened. Uh, during the the time when I was in school Mm. uh, at the dance academy. Um, And then so I thought, you know, I kind of put that aside in a sense and then I felt like maybe perhaps I can just do something about that and because I did go to therapy afterwards and then I found that it is is very expensive and it's not very accessible to a lot of people. Mm. And I find it very hard to talk about it. Because people were not very accepting mm. of the fact. And they, they were just saying certain things like, you know, th- th- things like that happen all the time. You just put it away and don't think about it and you'll be fine. Um, and I thought that was... I don't think that's the right way of dealing with those kind of things. So I, th- that's where the, the concept of Winter Syria came about, is that because I used, like, dancing to help me go through those things... Mm. And it does help me to refocus in what I need to do. Um, so I thought maybe other people might feel the same. Because for me personally, counselling is very kind of... You have this pressure to be in this room and you you need to talk and you have to talk about something for, for the counsellor and for them to, to help you and support you. And I find that so hard mm. to just like... What if I don't want to talk? What if it's just... You know, it, and it's you feel this pressure of just have to say something because, one, you're, you're, you've you paid money to go into this and you just start, like, sitting there going, I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very difficult. And, and I think with a culture like Vietnam as well, I think people would uh, think that would be something that is uncomfortable and, and not necessary, maybe, perhaps. Um, so I thought, maybe let's try something different. Like, how about... Using the arts because I have an art background in the sense of my family, especially my dad who's an artist, um, does that, and I I did follow his footsteps for for a very short while, <laughs> and I was like I just gave up on it because have you seen his paintings? <laughs> it's just
0: these are so. Uh,
1: it's, it's these ones, the one that's oh, okay. in the office.
0: Oh, amazing! Yeah, how long was he an artist for? Oh,
1: Continuing he's uh, to this day. It's He's done, like, he went to a very, uh, he went to an art school at the age of 11. Oh, wow. And then he went to both uh, the University of Fine Art in Hanoi and Saigon. Mm. So, because there's a break in the middle during the Vietnam War. Mm. So he had to, he got drafted. So he was in that. And then he came back and finished his uh, fine art degree down south. So in Saigon.
0: And have you found that your dad's been very supportive of your your kind of path
1: i think so because it, it, i think with him because he grew up in hungary and uh, czechoslovakia oh czech republic now um he grew up in that sort of in a world where it's just art and music and right. so i think he understands a little bit more about like how you choose your path because but it, because it is you you living on that path and nobody else is living at you that he has, in a sense, he has no right to tell me what to follow as long as I'm happy and as long as I'm following my passion and it it's fine.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you founded the Winter Surrey Project in 2017. Yes. Yeah. Did you find it just on your own or did you have a team around you straight away? No. No.
1: No, I think I started it and I started writing proposal at the end of 2016. I just, I, I like, I wrote the concepts and the story. Um, and then the proposal to, you know, just to find some funding for it. And then, yeah, it was just me from the beginning. And then for the exhibition and performances, I asked a few of my friends to come and perform with me. A couple of artists that I know, mainly because my dad knows a lot of artists as well. I I just know them because it is a very small community here Um, so I just asked them like if you want to join in in raising a little bit of awareness for mental health in Vietnam perhaps that you know just to raise a little bit more um, sort of I don't know what the word is just so that people know more about the arts that it's not only just for you know showcasing your talent but also showing your emotions and understanding what one's going through Mm. And I think that's kind of nice. And then I was a little bit afraid at the beginning because people have been telling me, like, I'm too young to do something like this. Um, a little bit too young, for one. And also, like, I don't have any background in psychology or any of that. Um, but I think it's, a, it, it's okay in the sense that it has helped me. So perhaps it might help others in, you know, finding their own path and understanding their emotions that they have the rights to be happy.
0: Absolutely. Do you remember the fir- that first Wintersoak project? Do you oh, remember God, the. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Oh my God, it was terrifying. I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> in a sense that I was like, how am I going to put this together? And how is it going to be uh, well received? Or people going to hate it? Or what is it going to be? And it turns out it was okay. It was okay. It's good for a first kind of. Um, exhibition slash performance. Uh, I had a lot of help from like uh, one of my friend, Bao. She used to work at the factory. I had friends, uh, I had a choreographer called um, Sebastian Lee from France coming over as well. He was here doing his crossing over, I think. And then he offered to, I asked him if he he wanted to help with one of the performances. Um, Yeah, I had had some people helping me. I had friends that, you know, uh, believed in the project But I think it was more near the end, like um, almost hitting the sort of exhibition mark. Uh, So, But before that, it was just me. It is still me, in a sense. Yeah.
0: Because
1: it's very hard to find funding to have like a core team. (laughs) So it's just me and a a lot of volunteers who's helping out.
0: The Winter Suri Project puts on events and workshops. How do you... Decide what the workshop is, okay. whether it's uh, drama or dance mm-hmm. or uh, visual art.
1: I think at the beginning it was just mainly things that I found interesting. So it's just like dancing and art, uh, and I I did knitting in the first year because I I, I met this girl, wonderful girl uh, Gabriella. Um, she did knitting here, and I thought. This could be fun. Knitting is very therapeutic. It's it's kind of like repetitive motions um, that helps you to refocus. So I thought that could be helpful. And then over the years, I kind of changed a little bit to more kind of like theater when I met like the theater folks here. And I was like, this could be fun as well, because, you know, there there are many different aspects in theater, like mime that you can use that to help you to convey your emotions in a in a different way rather than just saying it out loud um so yeah in the second year i think i changed it to theater uh this is
0: 2018 now
1: yes yeah um yeah so i changed it to dance art and theater and i thought that would be quite nice for people to try different things as well and not only just sticking to one thing and then this year i added in music awesome because, I'm a music you know, guy, yeah yeah the, you know it is your own voice it is you know find your own voice and finding that um, because you've you've been like locked up inside for so long in a sense that you, you need a tool to sort of let that voice out and be who you are and be confident in who you are and I thought that that'd be nice for them to try that as well mm. yeah
0: so you've got so many so many different variations of, of art in these workshops are you still kind of heading everything up or have you kind of do you bring in friends or I don't know guest guest speakers or things like that
1: uh yeah this year we had a a, a lady from Sweden called uh, Karen Ball and she ran the drama th- uh drama therapy in Singapore mm. so we've asked her she's very kindly accepted our invitation to come here and do a workshop in uh, both uh Winter Sur- Here and another project uh, run by a good friend of mine, Nam. It's called Kite Against the Wind. It's it's similar to what Wintersirig does, but more about self-awareness, and it's aimed at more um, disadvantaged children, like orphans or half orphan. Uh, We're doing the project this year together, so the exhibition the end of November will be both of our works.
0: Amazing! Yeah, sounds like a Good collaboration.
1: Yeah, so we have a good age range. Yeah.
0: Can you walk us through what a drama workshop might look like?
1: You might want to have to ask David that. Mm. Uh, Because I I only sort of set out um, sections, in a sense, uh, of how I want the the whole workshops to go. Because this year we did like a whole six months long of workshops uh, every Sunday uh, for 90 minutes per workshop. So what I did was to give them sections like in the first few weeks we are going to talk about self-awareness or about yourself and then the second week will be like... Or the fourth week will be more about family and your environment and then the following two other weeks will be more kind of about your um, uh, negativity or your emotions and all of that. And I think it's up to them because I don't want to restrict them in terms of what they want to do. I think, one, because they interact with the participants more they understand them more in terms of like what we need to do to sort of help them develop their emotional intelligence in a sense. Mm. Yeah.
0: So would a workshop last multiple weeks or are the kind of uh, one-off events or can it vary?
1: Uh, I, the last two years it was more like kind of at the end of the event that we did it for one or two days. But this year we've decided to switch the the whole uh, system around, because last year and the year before was more like exhibition performance and then a uh, workshop for a day or two. This year we're doing the workshops first for six months from May to October, mm. every Sunday, um, and roughly around 12 people per workshop, I think, yeah, per group is about 12 people. And I think doing that and then showing showcasing their work and showcasing their progress along the way as well to the public to see like art can help in a sense uh, for them to understand how they feel and what they're going through.
0: So they can have their own exhibition at the end of it. This
1: coming up uh, exhibition in November is their work.
0: Yeah, culmination of all that. So you told me that one of your recent events was uh, the fair Mm -hmm. in September. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Um. That was actually a really fun event. It's one of the first of its kind, I don't, uh, of Winter Surig in a sense, and also maybe in Saigon as well, because I perhaps I just never noticed it. But um, it's the first of its kind in the sense that it was, uh, in a sense, an art fair but where each of the booths are more of the sort of the workshops that we've been doing. So people can try out music, they can try out theatre, movement or art. They, they, they can do the exercises that we've been doing during the actual workshops that, you know, went uh, ongoing during that time. And then there, there, there was a roundtable discussion with all the specialists and uh, like sort of, um psych consult from like beautiful mind vietnam or family medical or university of Hoan sen uh, fulbright university as well like specialists within that field of psychology talking about it and answering uh questions from the audience uh we did also have a lot of coloring boards for everyone like especially for kids if they come and they, they don't really want to be involved in like the talk or anything else because it was in a very big venue like the Deutsche House gave us this wonderful second floor of the entire building <laughs> we were we were a little bit worried about filling it out at the beginning but we did good um so yeah there were coloring boards for the kids and adults to sort of if they want to chill they can if they want to color some you know pretty pictures they can as well um I've invited uh well I kind of scouted in a sense uh, three artists that were not actually artists so they were I met one of the girl Lynn from uh, a cafe that I usually go to and she works there as a barista and she usually paints whenever she's not serving customers or little she does little sketches and I've noticed it for a very long time and I was like what, what would you like to do if I uh, <laughs> asked you to join this exhibition and she was she was very happy to to do a uh, join the exhibition, a very small exhibition. It's like a small part of the actual fair. And then uh, Thumb, which I met this year as well, uh, he's a lovely little guy. He's super young. He's like 19. He's one of the co-designers of the Fulbright Liberal Arts um, program. Okay. He's very, very smart. Um, and he ended up... Like, I, he showed me some of his painting. It was just a coincidence. I was there to meet one of the faculty members. And I happened, they, they introduced me to to Thumb And I was like, oh, my God, this guy is so cool and so amazing and such a talented young man. And then I was like, do you want to be in my exhibition? And then the last guy was uh, another wonderful illustrator I met accidentally again uh, at a Kind of like a, a stationery shop. I a bit stalky, but I kind of like, because he, he came in, because it was the opening of my friend's store. It's like pens and papers and all of that. And uh, I came in there and I was like, and I saw this one little, this awkward guy in the corner. He came in and he gave this wonderful little painting. And I was like, who's that guy? <laughs> What's his number? <laughs> I kind of like, stalkerish. And then I kind of got his Instagram and I kind of like, hi, I saw you at this place. Do you want (laughs) to (laughs) meet? So stalkerish. But it's fine. Uh, We ended up being really good friends and he comes over sometimes to like do some work or like talk or like have theater hang that we held here at Langtang as well. Yeah. And they ended up showcasing nine paintings of just what uh, of like typography artwork of what it means uh, to to have depression, to have anxiety, to have stress in your daily life. And it's their interpretation of the word. And it's just these wonderful paintings. I love them. They're so amazing. Um, And then we did. And then we are so lucky to have AC3 coming in and supporting us. They're a digital um, company uh, based in their headquarters in Paris. And they came over and they helped us. Well, they're based here now as well. They helped us with virtual reality games for people to do meditation or little games that they can play to understand their emotions. And then they did projection mapping of the three main paintings by those artists as well so
0: what what is that sorry projection mapping
1: Uh, projection mapping is when you have a very simple outline of a painting and then you project lights onto them so they move Ah, it looks like the painting is moving it's it's, alive yeah yeah, (laughs) and it's amazing and people loved it and I was just like this is so cool because they're very smart and very wonderful people who like helped us creating this wonderful event as well all of our volunteers they're amazing as well
0: how did you how did you get that connection to that company then?
1: Oh, I just knew the one of the the managing director of um, AC3. I think I met him at like SoMa. Okay. <laughs> I meet everyone at SoMa. Um,
0: this is like the third time SoMa has been like come up on this. Podcast. Yeah, it's it's, really. <laughs> it's a very
1: nice meeting place in a sense. Uh, but yeah, I met him there and we got to talk and then we we met a few more times and then he really liked what I'm doing. And so he 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 said that he would be happy to help in a sense, and I was like, "Yes, we're gonna have virtual reality games v r games. But yeah, it was really fun. People really liked it, and I think um, yeah, it was an experience for a lot of people to to enjoy to try different forms of art to to listen to uh, like specialists talk about what we can what we can do to improve mental health here in Vietnam. Um, and then we had little games, like a little mental check-in for everyone to play with. Um, one of the kids kind of like put all the balls into this big jar that says "happy," which is really nice. And sometimes they put it in the angry one, which was also kind of cool, kind of like nice and colorful. Now, um, yeah, it was. A, uh, it's only a one-day event as well. We had like people selling the books. I think. Uh, I think the Goethe Institute also. Well, collaborated with another uh, publishing house to, to publish one of the um, translated version of a German book about depression. Oh, no, about bipolar. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's really cute. It's really cool. Um, we had another friend of mine who's also published a, like a series of short stories in depression and uh, female psychology, which is also nice. Uh, so we had a a nice variety of like everything for everyone to enjoy, yeah. Very like that. Awesome. you've had
0: a a lot of collaborations then over the past what, three three or so years. Yeah. Yeah. The psychology experts that you've had at the events mm-hmm. have they talked much about the benefits of arts to mental health as well?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think they are fully in support of it in terms of like you in a sense, that you need to do what you need to do to be able to find your balance again, Uh, whether that is art, whether that is counselling. There's really... um, Like, if if you're in in a situation, in a difficult situation, then if something can help you personally by yourself, for example, art, then yes, why not? And I think um, there are some studies now, especially in the UK and Canada, that uh, going to museum and seeing artwork can help you mentally to boost that sort of serotonin and sort of um, the chemicals in your brain just a little bit happier yeah. <laughs> in a sense. Yeah, I think that's nice. I think there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of things happening here, and I I hope that not only Winter Syriac, but a lot of other projects uh, that are doing. Uh, mental health um, awareness uh, and I know that there's Vietnam DMT in Hanoi that they're also doing a lot of workshops right now as well in mental health and I hope that one day like we, we raise enough awareness in a sense that people know more and understand more and kind of acknowledge more and sort of you know be accepting of the fact that you know mental health in a sense is real it is not something that you know you can push aside or just ignore it you know, I find that comment really I think it's bugging me <laughs>
0: it's really I think what you're doing as well is really helping break down the stigma yeah a bit as well yeah your attendees to the workshops
1: mm-hmm.
0: are you getting a, a whole range of people are you getting male female Vietnamese Westerners
1: uh, we have a very uh, we do select our uh, our participants. Uh, they're all from Vietnam, so they're all local. Uh, the age range is around high school to uh, university level only. Uh, there are more female than there are male, but that's okay because there are some, but not many. Uh, yeah, we we go through um, with the help of Okru. Which is the Oxford University Clinical Research Unit. So they helped us uh, with the DASS twenty-one survey, was to determine the level of depression and stress and anxiety. Uh, so we select them through that. So they answer a series of questions and then they come here for an interview so we get to know them a little bit more it's not really they they turn up and thinking it's like a job interview but it's not it's just for us to you know get just to know to each chat. other yeah just to chat and see where they are uh, mentally and see if this is suitable for them in a sense because not everyone comes here with that in mind they just write whatever they want and then it's something different um yeah so we select that through the survey and then we also do interviews as well just to make sure that you know there's no hanky-panky yeah. <laughs> in a sense which is nice yeah
0: awesome let me ask you how did the name winter seri come about
1: oh that was a long time <laughs> that was just me just researching and researching like what is the name that sort of speaks to me the most and i was like looking through like different languages all um, languages new languages uh, should it be in Vietnamese, should it be in English, should it be in this style? Uh, I came across this little post, I think like bustler or something like that, or bustle or something. Uh with like words that has like meanings, uh like has um, sort of depression meanings in them, or a metaphor for depression, or a metaphor for, for mental health in general. Uh and that's where I found Winter because I thought it would be a nice connection between sort of England, where I kind of, most of my childhood my childhood is in England, and I grew up in Vietnam, so I thought, because the Vietnamese version of it sounds really sad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is the Vietnamese, do you remember? Sodom. Mm.
1: Sodom is, is the same meaning, but it just has a much more kind of sad kind of undertone, undertone to it, rather than winter syring. But um, it's like a nice little metaphor for like the coldness and the bitterness of winter, and how dark and cold it is, and lonely it feels. But spring, spring is coming. Yeah. Don't worry. Bit hope, hope
0: on the end. Exactly.
1: Yeah. You do have hope in the end. There's no ending to to. There is, you know, spring coming. There is sun coming. There is the light coming. Um, hopefully, you will feel that warmth again once you go past, get past that with the support of family and friends and yourself to to pull yourself out of that sort of depths of despair. In a sense, um, kind of, yeah, depressing to think about it. <laughs> but it is a very nice thing. I like it.
0: So just before we started, you know, recording, hitting the record button, you told me that you did a TEDx.
1: Ah, yes, of. I did.
0: Was that on something related to?
1: Yes, you know, it was on mental health and how I came about with, uh, went winter Zurich and like I told you like uh, I think with a lot of things that I've been struggling with uh, I, I found that like with painting or dancing it does help you to refocus your yourself, your way of thinking a little bit just even if for just a moment of just getting away from that kind of dark thoughts or just overthinking everything and yeah, I, I, it was the scariest time of my life. <laughs> I ran off the stage crying. That was just—it was fun though. It is fun to, because I was up there with like um, a lot of great people, like the founder of Fulbright University, um, Justin Mart, a photographer, uh, the founder of Noir Dining, uh, this fourteen-year-old girl Fung, who who's like an amazing young intelligent young girl who was talking about light pollution she's 14 (laughs) and i was just there like what and then this one guy i think he's like a little bit younger than me he went to uh, washington washington state university he's been studying abroad in every single continent in the world and i was just sitting there like what am i doing here (laughs) i should not be here
0: (laughs) you got huddersfield under your belt (laughs) exactly i've
1: got huddersfield Yay. Well-traveled. Exactly. So that was a scary time. Like I was first time public speaking and like 500 people in front of you. It's a good thing that the light blinds you a little bit so you don't really see people. But halfway through, you can see people's face start to gloom in front of you. And you're like, ah, I can see your face.
0: Is that available online and stuff? Yeah, yeah. it's on
1: YouTube. Oh, you can awesome. just Watch see me stare at my feet most of the time. I was just like, and then at one point, I literally forgot what I was gonna say, so I took out like little cards that I've written. I was like, hold on, <laughs> I literally took it out and read it. I was like, oh no, this is so embarrassing because <laughs> I panicked because you know when you're starting to see people's face, it's like oh god, they're noticing me, and then you and then I forgot mid sentence. I was like hold on (laughs) public speaking
0: is terrifying yeah it It really is
1: oh my god I can't I cannot get that moment out of my head of just me going hold on (laughs) and just get these flashcards out of my pocket going where am I (laughs) because I was like I had 20 of them and I was like where am I I? hold on (laughs) hold on and I was just like flipping through it like an idiot I'm like I think they cut that out I hope, because otherwise (laughs) it's going to be a really long next talk of just me doing this. (laughs) Oh, it's awkward. And I ran off the stage crying and panicking because I literally, yeah, buggered the last bit and I ran off saying, thank you, bye.
0: (laughs) I'm still going to definitely check it out. What do you have coming up for Winter Syrig?
1: Exhibition. Yeah. The one with uh, Kite Against the Wind and Winter Syrig collaborating this time to showcase our participants' artwork and other works in, like, theatre and movement and music, uh, along with other installational, uh, like, not quite installational artwork, but more kind of, like, interactive um, games for for audience to come and join us um, in understanding what sort of things we do at the workshop as well. And then next year is similar, but we're going to break it down because I think six months is a bit too long we're going to break it down as two blocks of three months instead. And then we'll have another exhibition at the end of the year. And I think because we're having like a storyline from the very beginning, like if you follow through of all the Winter Syrigs um, uh, projects so far, you start with Dark Blue, which is the universe, the beginning of everything. And then you're moving on to the forest, which is last year. Is it? Yes. Um, so the forest is like a kind of like uh, a wilted yellowy green so it's like the death like the the death of of plant in a sense because you're lost in this deep dark forest and you're trying to find your way out and find this tunnel um of light in a sense and then this year is the clearing so you're stepping out of the forest and you uh you're meeting with this kind of like more alive green like kind of like a dark green um which is like bringing life back into your life and then next year will be earth so once you step out the, into the clearing, you need to be grounded. You need to understand yourself a little bit more and you, you get to be free and get back to nature. So next year will be orange, terracotta orange. So it's like a red soil kind of color.
0: It's very highly conceptualized. Yeah. <laughs> how much time and thought has gone into this? So long. <laughs>
1: this is, I've gone up to about 2024. 20, so I've gotten up to about the year 2024, so we have like a whole colour range and concept of, um, of how I want this to be because the year after next, after you've been grounded, is that you grow. So you grow with the sun, so you have unfurl in a sense that it's, the sun is helping you to grow, so it will be yellow. And then after that, you need water to survive, so you have rain, so the thunderstorm, so you have grey. And then after that, after the rain, you get a rainbow. So that year will be dedicated for the LGBT. Amazing. I think that's 2023 for LGBT because then after the rainbow, it's, uh, it's back to, uh, I think, white because you need, um, I can't remember what I wrote, but something like that. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a long process of like trying to create this entire story for everyone to sort of follow and not just a project that is, this year we're going to do this and the next year we're going to do that. It needs to follow through this whole storyline of like um, the beginning of everything, and then you you fall into this depth out of nowhere, and then you find your light and you step out into this clearing you're being grounded into the earth, you have the sun to help you, and you have the rain to help you grow, and then yeah, and then comes a rainbow <laughs> it's really pretty <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm trying to think of the the sort of the next storyline of it because it needs to go up and down i don 't want it to be all. Too positive in a sense that you do grow, but you need like the mistakes that you've made to to make you who you are, so you need to have that sort of downfall in a sense as well
0: do you think you have to kind of yeah embrace those lower yes. points fully? because they yeah. they
1: do make who you are without them you're just uh, not really human in a yeah. sense that you need both to be balanced. you can't just have one or the other, and like I said to a lot of uh, some of my participants is that. You need to embrace all your emotions. They're not neither sort of negative or positive emotions. They're all just experiences that you go through in life. They're not, you know, don't, don't think that they're, you know, being sad is a bad thing. People who are happy can be sad and who, who are sad can be happy. It's just an experience that you go through life and it's not about, is it good? <laughs> it's not about that.
0: <laughs> and what you're doing is helping to process yes. those emotions yeah.
1: Yeah. so you need to understand that it's okay to feel a little bit down sometimes or if you truly need help you need the support and uh, you need a strong support from your family and friends and this, this is not only for the participants it's for their loved one as well so they, they know okay this person is going through this I kind of understand that through the arts that they're trying to convey what they're feeling and their story and then maybe perhaps that can help them in a certain way uh it's yeah it's not only just for the participants who are going through things it's for them to sort of showcase them to their parents or their friends or their siblings and to say like this is what I'm going through, maybe perhaps um, you would understand it a little bit more through this sort of medium and kind of like support and understand yeah and I think that's and, and the most important thing is to listen. I think that's enough.
0: I think you've got a pretty I mean I've I've been here for like an hour, but I think you've got a pretty incredible <laughs> uh friend friendship network here. Yeah. Because you're right now you're based out of, of this of this house uh Lang Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of collaboration going on here, right? Yes. We had B and Ria on from Dragonfly Theatre mm-hmm. and they're holding rehearsals yeah. here yeah you've got artists
1: coming in artists coming yeah. in
0: coming in coming in, coming out
1: musicians coming in and out yeah I can wall. see
0: guitars on the wall I
1: know and piano and there's a lot of things and I think yeah it's nice to have that kind of atmosphere where everyone can feel free to come in here and create and not feel like they're judged or you know they, can't, they have to be like this or they have to be like that and I think it's nice to have a space where people can be who they are with with the arts
0: and you've been here since March.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's not a very long time, but yeah, we've made it messy enough that it looks like home, <laughs> <laughs> which is nice. It's nice and messy, which is good. Yeah.
0: Where can people find out more about Winter Zurich?
1: Uh I think they can just go on Facebook. Yeah. Um, on the Winter Zurich Project Facebook. Yeah. There'll be everything, like from workshops to exhibitions to different events that will be posted on there. Along with videos.
0: I can't wait to come, uh, to, come to some of the yes. the open events. Yes,
1: do. There'll be live music, I think, as well, mm. during the opening night um, from one of the um, uh, instructor's band. So he's bringing his band over to... When is that? The 29th of November.
0: Okay, soon. Coming just soon. right
1: after Constellation yep. by Dragonfly. And they're, they're actually helping us to sort of... Uh, they're supporting us, in a sense, as well, sometimes. Yeah. Dragonflies. place is supporting winter's rig yeah it's yeah. a
0: super yeah very collaborative kind of space and uh, community as
1: yeah, well. yeah which i like because you know we all need to help each other and we all need to support each other um to you know grow <laughs>
0: absolutely thank you so much for welcoming me as well here. thank
1: you uh, yes
0: and feeding me vegetarian shot pie cottage, cottage pie, pie. Yeah. yes that was yeah something that i've definitely missed from the uk
1: a lot of content. We didn't have Branston pickle today, and I was like,
0: no! There we- was some HP sauce, though. Yeah, which it's is not a- as good. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: If you had Branston pickle with those pies, just the best.
0: It takes it up a notch. Yes. Well, thank you so much again, and uh, I will link everything in the description to Winter Siric. Mm-hmm. Uh And yeah, thanks for welcoming me you into your program.
1: Thank you for having me. This has been fun. It's been
0: good. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Falling Jackfruit. i drop dropped links in the description to the Winter Zurich Project so you can keep up to date with everything they're doing. Trisha was actually our first recommended guest, so I'd like to give a shout-out and thank you to Luke Webster and Ria Mehmet. Thanks for the suggestion, guys. She's doing so many incredible things for raising awareness for mental health through the arts. If you've enjoyed listening to today's episode, please give us a like, subscribe, or leave a five-star review wherever you're listening it really does help you can give us a like on facebook at falling jackfruit and on instagram at falling jackfruit podcast and if you'd like to get in touch about coming on as a guest or if you'd like to recommend someone as a guest or if you just want to leave some feedback in general please send an email to falling jackfruit at gmail.com we'll be back soon with another episode thanks again for listening